Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. Dr. Cara McDonald is one of Australia's most respected dermatologists. She's one of the doctors at Complete Skin Specialist Dermatology in Melbourne and holds a consultant position at St. Vincent's Hospital in Melbourne. Today, I'm speaking to Dr. Cara about what happened to Linda Evangelista, the explosive expose around her adverse reactions uh, to cool sculpting, which is a form of fat freezing, has taken over the headlines around the globe. I saw Dr. Cara do an Instagram live and I wanted to invite her on the show to explain exactly what's going on. She publicly um, posted on Instagram last week, I think, that she had suffered from a condition that we uh, call paradoxical adipose hyperplasia. So PAH or paradoxical adipose hyperplasia, it's a bit of a mouthful. What it means is paradoxical is that like the opposite to what you expect. So it's the unexpected um, reverse reaction. Adipose is fat and hyperplasia means increase or growth. So it basically just means unexpected fat growth. What what is the uh, frequency of PAH uh, occurring? You know, what studies do we have globally? What studies do we have locally? And have you ever experienced it in your practice? So we don't have cryolipolysis in our practice. Um, So, you know, I want to put that out there that although I you know, obviously know a bit about it. We don't perform it. So I don't have any firsthand experience of this complication in my patients. Um, The statistics are variable as with many of these kind of fairly rare complications. The early studies were suggesting that it was about one in 4,000 people, which is very, very low. Mm -hmm. But some more recent studies and um, practice analysis have shown uh, a rate of up to one in 138 or so. Yeah, that's what I've read, which is quite 0. high. 0.7%. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, you could say less than 1%, less than one in 100, but certainly from a practitioner point of view, that would be something that I would want my patients to know about and accept the risk of before they went ahead. And, of course, as you said, if it's very, if it's effective, it's very effective. Um, so you know, people, it might not put people off, but it might mean they go more slowly, they do it a smaller area to test it or something along those lines. The real experts such as yourself, such as the formulators, such as the surgeons, there needs to be a collective, safe, reliable forum for consumers to come to. And media is really hard. It's it's really hard for a normal person to get this information. So where do you where do you go? What do you suggest? Other than ageless, of course. <laughs> yeah, ageless, of course. Um, it's I completely agree with you. And this is why I'm in this space because it's very, very frustrating as someone who does have expertise and experience and knowledge and education to see where people are getting their information from. It is so depressing um, that the misinformation out there is being fed to people through, you know, media, influencers, TikTok, people's friends, you know, the number of people that, you know, choose their skincare based on a TikTok trend or a friend's advice 
you know, I mean, even that, if you think about it, no wonder people are wasting billions of dollars on the wrong stuff. Um, are there enough experts? Are there enough educated people for people to get their advice from? Well, maybe not. And that can be one of the problems. But as a consumer, as I said, I think sometimes they just are don't care, are prepared to take risks, don't don't think about it, don't think it'll happen to them, um, all those things that are common in certain age groups. As we get older, I think we're much more discerning and more focused on our own safety and we probably are more likely to choose quality over quantity, so to speak. I would like and to think so, but I, I, there's still a lot of evidence that it's bamboozling, first of all. There's a lot of contradictory information and um, I always think of it like the bad boyfriend effect, like, you know he's he's a bad guy. He's shown you all the red flags, but on you march, on you march. And I think the same is true. And you don't One- know what you don't know. Yes. You don't know. You, you really don't know what you don't know. And that's where, to me, it comes back to practitioners. To me, it's it's the practitioner's responsibility. Unfortunately, some of them don't know what they don't know either. And that's that's where it gets a bit scary because there's no minimum training. There's no minimum training required to inject a syringe of filler into someone's lips. And there's no minimum training required. Now, there's there's advice and, re- and suggestions, but there's no actual qualification needed to do that. So in my opinion, it does come back to the practitioners. I think it's their responsibility to do the best thing for their patient or client. And, you know, often the best thing is saying no. Often the best thing is talking about alternate treatment options. Often the best thing is saying, I am not actually skilled enough to do what you need. Um, This is outside my circle of competence, but that will build trust, that will build rapport, and that will actually um, turn that person into a better clinician with a better clientele and a better business and a better job satisfaction long term. But a lot of people are scared to say no. They um, either look at you know the opportunity of making that sale, so to speak, or else they don't want to let down their you know guard of not knowing what they're talking about. And um, what you know, about just, uh, what are some of the safe kind of questions and what would you recommend to your clients to do, even if you don't have call sculpting at your practice? What would be the um, kind of the checklist to go through if you're still interested in having surgical or uh, well, let's say non-surgical fat reduction? Yeah, look, I think the first thing is um, to try and get a recommendation for a practitioner. I think, you know, preferably somebody you know or someone you trust or, you know, a trusted advice. Unfortunately, you know, Google reviews, I, I mean, I can reel off a list of people I know that, you know, have doctored all their own Google reviews. Um, it's usually pretty obvious if you read through them all, all these five-star reviews. I think there's a real red flag to me and that is time. Okay, so if you go in for a procedure and that practitioner practitioner does not sit down and spend some time with you, there's something wrong. And that's, um, 
I mean, it sounds very vague, but you need time as a practitioner to get to know that person, to understand why they're there, what their expectations are. If I can't meet someone's expectations, there's an unhappy patient full stop. It doesn't matter whether it was successful or not. If that person thought they were going to get something different or thought you were going to achieve something different, then they're not going to be happy. Whether I think I'm brilliant or not, they won't be. So in order to meet someone's expectations, I really need to know what their expectations are. I need to know where they got them from, That's who really they got their information from. I like from. that. Wow. I need to know why they're really doing it. Is it because they're worried their husband's going to leave them? Is there Are they worried that their friends are doing, you know, better than them or are more successful? Are they, you know, looking at social status? Are they just feeling a bit down in themselves? Are they just someone that appreciates how good you can feel when you look good, you feel good, and it's all about them and just like buying a nice dress and putting it on, you feel amazing. Cosmetic procedures should be like that. We can, we should be able to do it for ourselves, feel good, look good, feel better, and so on. But you don't know that unless you explore it. And, you know, the there are red flags like body dysmorphic disorder and these things that we're taught about to look for. But, you know, that's just one end of the spectrum. There's also this big spectrum of you need to actually know your patient as well. And you need to know, in my opinion, whether it's a laser, fat reduction, Botox, fillers. What are Linda Evangelista's options to treat and, um, you know, as we were talking about, what 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 are her options now? Well, so in most cases, um, this is a procedure that's done on localised problem areas. Okay, so most people who have it done uh, would say, I've got a double chin, I'm not overweight, it annoys me, or I've got love handles, I'm not really overweight. So generally the procedure is recommended for people who are not overweight and have problem areas that are not so much amenable to um, overall fat reduction, so weight loss. So the problem for... Linda, in my understanding, is that she had many areas of the body all treated at once and so had very widespread problems. And that in itself makes you think, well, why did she have so many areas treated? Was that something? Uh, when I think about my treatment and I think imagine having, it's it's not like drinking water. It is a procedure. It's still mm. quite heavy and you bruise. And, you and know, it- you can see it though. You know, she's famous and she's um, well-known. She's probably experiencing some ageing signs that many people do, which often can include, you know, double chin if that's your genetic tendency and other areas of fat. And she's probably not wanting to do a surgical procedure because she doesn't want the downtime, doesn't want to be recognised, doesn't want to be in a hospital. But I'm just all shocked how they manage to do multiple procedures in one go. I mean, it's quite heavy duty. That yeah. Going back to the consenting and, and responsible care, it seems a pretty irresponsible thing to have done. <laughs> it seems exactly, and that's my point. Like I... You know, I, as I said, again, I'm not across the details of the case, but my understanding is that she is um, suing the manufacturers. And if they were withholding information about that device, which I 
I believe at that point in time it was it was out and known. So, you know, that's one question, obviously, for the courts. Then the question is her practitioners, did they were they completely unaware of that or did they omit it from her consenting? And why did they treat such huge, like widespread areas of her? You know, because in most people that wouldn't be appropriate because if you need every area of your body treated, Perhaps this is not the treatment for you. (laughs) Then you probably, you're not choosing the right option, really. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. 